Hello, this is Carlos going solo again, and welcome to another Heroes 3 Gaiden episode. It's October, and I'm itching to talk to you guys about Yokai, but the episode isn't quite ready yet, so I wanted to share some more video game music tracks I picked for my VGM Fight Club battles. I'll try to sprinkle in some Heroes 3 centric trivia as I talk about the playlist too. But yeah, I won my first match against the last Recon, and I moved on to round two. And actually, I won round two as well. So today, I'm going to share with you guys tracks I picked for both round two and round three. These were both themed battles. Round two was 90s games, and round three was Capcom Cage Fight. The rules for that are Capcom games, but excluding anything from Mega Man. Uh, five tracks per battle, and one tiebreaker for each just in case. And this lead-in track that I picked is a remix of Mega Man 3's intro. Originally composed by Yasuaki Fujita and arranged here by chiptune artist uh, Rushjet1. It's kind of interesting because uh, Rushjet1 used Konami's VRC6 expansion sound chip to remix it. So the... Um, the VRC6 chip was an added memory chip that included three extra sound channels onto the Famicom's original five channels. And really, Konami only used it for three games. Akumajo Densets, the uh, Castlevania 3 in Japan, Moriyosenki Madara, and Esper Dream. Those all rule, <laughs> so check those soundtracks out if you're interested. But it's pretty cool to see the expansion used here for a Capcom game. So moving on to my next track, I chose from one of my favorite arcade beat-em-ups for a handful of reasons that I'll get into after the track. This is Junk Factory by Snappleman, a remix of X-Men the Arcade Game Stage 1 by Konami, originally composed by Seichi Fukami, Yuji Takenochi, Junya Nakano and Ayako Hashimoto. Enjoy! Like I said, round two was all about the 90s, and for little Carlos, the 90s means the X-Men. Damn, I love me some X-Men back then. I had uh, so much fun smashing tiny sentinels in this Konami beat-em-up. Uh, it was a staple of almost any arcade back then too. 
You could always jump in on one of the big four player or six player cabinets and spend almost all your quarters trying to get to Magneto just so he could call you an ex-chicken. <laughs> Uh, what I think people don't know as much about this game is that it's actually based on a failed pilot for an X-Men cartoon that came out right before the 90s explosion. Get it? X? <laughs> it's pretty much my favorite animated version of the X-Men and the game uses the same roster and designs. It's called Pride of the X-Men. Pride spelled with a Y referring to Kitty Pride. She's used as the viewer's insert, and it follows her to Xavier's school for gifted youngsters, where uh, she meets the X-Men and gets sucked into like an adventure that takes her and the team all the way out to Asteroid M. Uh, the game doesn't really follow the pilot's plot, but visually it lines up with the cartoon. And the cartoon looks amazing. It's got that sweet high production late 80s anime before you knew what anime was look to it um something like uh think thundercats intro or pole position intro mask intro actually uh just any great 80s cartoon intro really and um that's how the whole episode looks it rolls and i think it still should be up in full on youtube uh, I still have my VHS copy. <laughs> um, so uh, moving on to my next track, I chose something from Castlevania Symphony of the Night, one of my favorite games of all time. This is Castle Dracula, originally composed by Michiro Yamane and arranged here by Yasushi Asada for Castlevania Harmony of Despair. just listening to Castle of Dracula, originally from Symphony of the Night, 
composed by Michiro Yamane. Castlevania, one of my favorite game series, and Symphony of Night, easily in my top five games of all time. I devoured that game when it came out, and around this time of year, I always try to take time to play through it again. Love the world, love the lore, love the atmosphere, and Michiro Yamane's music fits perfectly with the series. Uh, some people say that her work can sound kind of samey, and there's truth to that, but I really can't get enough of her music. Even the work she did for Skullgirls would fit right in in Dracula's castle. For those who don't know, Symphony of Night flipped the script on the Castlevania series, and they threw you in the role of Alucard, who you did play as in Castlevania 3, but he's the main character here. He's the son of Dracula, and you're free to roam Dracula's castle. You find equipment, and you explore a lot, and Alucard ends up with a ton of fun weapons to use. Some of my favorite weapons are the Chrysogram. Uh, of course, uh, it's like a wind razor sword that effortlessly will like slice through any monster that gets in your way. And um, there's this fist uh, gauntlet like weapon called the Fist of Tolkis. And you can actually like do like Fist of the North Star, like rapid punching. Uh, so that's really fun. And there's like a two handed uh, sword called the Sword of Dawn. It lets you summon a huge army, so every time you do like a special move input, like quarter circle forward and attack, it'll summon a separate warrior. So there's like an archer, a mage, a uh, knight, and you can just like fill the screen with all these guys as long as you have a love, enough um, magic points. So that's, that's really cool. Had to uh, shout out to some Castlevania Symphony of Night uh, in this 90s playlist. So uh, moving on to the uh, next track, I've got a remix of uh, Shinobi 3 uh, by an artist called Luke Jansen. And uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get back. Listening to Shinobi 3 Idaten by Luke Jansen. 
another 90s thing that I have to talk about is ninjas. Everybody loved ninjas in the 90s, right? So Shinobi uh, was Sega's ninja series. I was a Nintendo kid pretty much, so uh, I played Ninja Gaiden. I love the first Ninja Gaiden game, even though it's pretty challenging. And um, I would go over by my cousin's house, and he'd have uh, he had a Sega, so I was able to play some some Shinobi over by him. I always thought it was funny that Shinobi, uh, well, at least you know, in later games, Shinobi he'd be like a a white ninja white and red <laughs> it's like uh, Godfrey Ho uh, ninja madness right pink ninjas orange ninjas whatever <laughs> but um, yeah I, I, I really love Shinobi I didn't really play it in the arcade either but I definitely played a lot of Shadow Dancer which is basically Shinobi but with a, a wolf uh, one of the things you'd see with some ninjas is that they'll have like a dog sidekick which i think is super awesome too i guess what else can i say about that so the first shinobi game uh you're playing as well you're playing as joe musashi through all of them and actually yeah for it being a japanese property i feel like it has a lot of kind of the american kind of ninja film influence so you've got this guy named Joe Musashi. So he's got like kind of an America Americanized name. The other thing that's fun about the first game is the arcade version of it had a bunch of like licensed characters. Like you fight Godzilla, you fight Spider-Man. And also the the main title image is straight up lifted from Sonny Chiba's uh, Kage no Gundan TV series. So uh, Sonny Chiba would be known as Hattori Hanzo like that was one of his like major roles and Hattori Hanzo is like this legendary uh, Japanese ninja the image that you see is like the exact same thing just like a pixel art version of that and I'm pretty sure that uh, later on they actually had to change that just to avoid uh, some legal trouble <laughs> but um it was cool to see that you know Sonny Chiba so influential that they actually used that and Sonny Chiba would kind of reprise the Hattori Hanzo role in Kill Bill so he plays Hattori Hanzo and they all had like kind of it was like a lineage that would you know like the names like a uh, a tradition that you'd pass down and I think Sonny Chiba is like Hattori Hanzo like 14 in uh, Kill Bill. Tarantino wanted to pay homage to that whole lineage as well. So that's pretty cool. And we're not going to move too far away from Ninjas with the next track. So uh, the next track that I chose for this 90s battle is a remix track from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. Uh, This is called hot for rock shuffles part two and uh it's a medley of a couple of tracks and a little extra fun stuff so uh, i'll get into that after the track
you were listening to hot for rock shuffles part two it's a remix from teenage mutant ninja turtles turtles in time this remix was made by uh, prince of darkness a remixer that i've been a fan of for a very long time i think the first time i found out about him it was actually like a demo video for a contra 4 metal album called rocked and loaded and he was doing the uh the bass for a track and he recorded himself playing that uh, the bass for the whole thing it was it was awesome and uh, i was like I, I've been following him ever since. Yeah, this remix is pretty fun. There's a little bit of Van Halen in here. It remixes two tracks, uh, Big Apple 3AM and Alley Cat Blues. So yeah, Konami beat em ups again. Ninja Turtles right alongside X-Men and The Simpsons were probably like the loudest uh, arcade machines in like, I don't know, Chuck E. Cheese or whatever arcade you were going to. Uh, loaded with uh, lots of fun sounds too. Orchestra hits all over the place. So uh, very 90s. I had a super fun time uh, playing Turtles in Time and uh, Donatello is always my dude. So uh, whenever I could play as Donatello, I'd be hitting the sticks. This is also kind of inspired by a art commission that I got. So uh, one of the other video game music podcasts, uh, XVGM Radio, commissioned me to do some characters for their, one of their episodes. And they wanted to uh, use a turtle from Turtles in Time. So I said, yeah, I'll do it, but I, I'm going to draw Donatello. <laughs> and they were like, cool. So I was like, cool. And then I drew, drew him. <laughs> Talking about Prince of Darkness some more. That dude is actually uh, one of the members of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He's on their current lineup, which is pretty awesome. So we've got like a VGM lover uh, in that uh, world-class band. So that's uh, pretty cool to think about. And uh, regarding, I guess, the Heroes 3 side of things, I always love to talk about the live-action Turtles movies. So um, the first Ninja Turtles film was a co-financed film with uh, New Line Cinema and Golden Harvest. So Raymond Chow actually saw that it would be a wise investment, and, and that's one of the reasons why we have the live action turtles. I, th I feel like the first movie holds up really well. And the other thing about that too is that uh, a lot of the people in the suits, people doing the, the fighting, or uh, we've got some young clan involved. So uh, I believe Brandy Yoon and um, I think Yoon Shun Yi's involved in that too. That I'm not as clear about, but um, yeah, there's definitely some Hong Kong cinema in. Uh, in front of the camera um, besides behind the camera. So that's that's really cool to think about. And in the second film, you've got uh, some uh, alumni from the Mortal Kombat games. You've got Daniel Piscina who played some of the Foot Clans. You can see him like in the film. And you've also got Hosung Pak who played the suit fighter for Raphael, I believe. And uh, Hosung Pak played Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat 2. And not to mention, he was one of the antagonists in Drunken Master 2. So uh, I always really enjoy uh, bringing that up. And uh, yeah, that's a really fun thing to look for when you're watching the film. I also, uh, I, the last time I watched 
Secret of the Ooze, you can see that Michael Jai White is one of the uh, dudes trying to join the Foot Clan. So when Kino's trying to sneak in, that one of the guys in his group is Michael Jai White. So that's a really cool thing to see too. But uh, yeah, that was Turtles in Time. Awesome game, awesome track, very rocking. And uh, the next track is going to be from a Final Fantasy game. Also something that was really important to me in the 90s. Uh, it's uh, the Decisive Battle from Final Fantasy VI. And that was originally composed by Nobumatsu. And this is the Black Mages like metal arrangement of that song. So uh, yeah, please check it out.
the decisive battle from Final Fantasy VI. Uh, originally a Super Nintendo version in the States was Final Fantasy III, composed by Nobuo Uematsu and arranged for the Black Mages album by Kenichiro Fukui. So, yeah, Black Mages was like a, an album series where they took Final Fantasy themes, mostly battle themes, but also some other stuff, and gave them like kind of a rock, kind of prog, living up to what you kind of were hearing in the uh, Super Nintendo and PlayStation eras. I love those albums, and going back and listening to this uh, after I chose it, I feel like this arrangement holds up really well. It sounds pretty great. Um, this boss battle is one of my favorite battle themes from the Final Fantasy series. I, I I feel like the regular battle theme from Final Fantasy VI isn't as strong. I I really love Part Four, well Four and Five, but um, so Final Fantasy Two and Three came here, and they were Four and Six in Japan. So Part Four's regular battle theme's great, and the boss battle theme's really good, and the there's like the battle with like the four fiends i love that battle track um but these two games really taught me how to play rpgs and kind of how to play video games in a lot of ways so i really cut my teeth on the super nintendo final fantasy games i remember back as a kid in the 90s just like i had so much uh anticipation for final fantasy 3 I'd always see the ads in the magazines and it was like a kind of a goofy ad where Mog, the Moogle from the game, he's kind of looking tough and then you see like these large shadows of the monsters from uh, Final Fantasy 3 looming over him. Um, but I would devour like any article about it or any screenshot that would come out because you know, there was no internet back then, so uh, you just pour over magazines over and over and over. And actually, some magazines I I had back then, I still have them because I just love um, going back and looking through them every once in a while. And uh, once the game came out, I, I tore it up. Uh, similar to Symphony of the Night, I feel like uh, Final Fantasy VI is kind of like comfort food to me. I'll uh, like, I like go back and play it every now and then and uh, the game is not too challenging but I have a lot of fun getting uh, as much as I can out of the game and trying to exploit it because like the second half of the game once it really opens up you can really become overpowered. I remember my original file I had you get these relics that can augment your abilities so I had Edgar he had the Genji Glove and the Offering. So Genji Glove, I believe it let you equip two separate weapons. And Offering let you attack four times. So I'd have like two really strong weapons. I think on my first playthrough I had Ragnarok as a sword. Anyways, uh, so I would attack like eight times hitting all nines like i was pretty overpowered and even when i got to the final boss or you know boss segments of the game i could just you know it was basically autopilot i was so strong but anyways the game's super fun and the music's really formative i feel like uematsu is kind of like the gateway drug for 
video game music lovers <laughs> uh, something like uh, Zelda series like Koji Kondo or something like that so I think his strength really lies in melody and um, this era for me is like my favorite of his I'm more of a Super Nintendo era Final Fantasy head than uh, PlayStation I like the PlayStation ones too but I much prefer the Super Nintendo era, but yeah, that was my last pick for the round two set of fights. So the 90s ones. So for round three, uh, I started this Capcom cage fight, right? I said no Mega Man music. And the first track that I chose is actually a track from Street Fighter 2010, which was uh, composed by Junko Tamiya. And the track is called City Lights. This is one of the Planet One themes. So uh, yeah, it rules. Check it out. listening to City Lights composed by Junko Tamiya for uh, Street Fighter 2010 the final fight so this is a Nintendo game that in America really capitalized on Street Fighter 2's popularity in Japan the game although it's still called Street Fighter it had no relation to Ryu or Ken or any of those guys. The main character in the Japanese version is, uh, his name is Kevin Stryker. And when they ported this game over to the States, they kind of forcefully tied it to Street Fighter. So they renamed the main character Ken. This is like a sci-fi platform action game. And it's actually really fun. I think it's underrated. Uh, you travel from planet to planet, and there's kind of this underlying conspiracy of uh, what's going on. The movement feels really good. Uh, you have these mid-range attacks. 
that can get powered up and actually when you get hit you power down which is kind of this kind of fun back and forth struggle and you can do these backflips and wall climbs and ledge hangs so i feel like it has a lot of dna with tecmo's ninja gaiden games anyways i wanted to pick you know I mean, it's Street Fighter, but it's not Street Fighter. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's really fun. It's really fun. The music by Junko Tamiya uh, is really good, too. Uh, she's great. Honestly, I, I wish there was more of her uh, music out there, but she kind of had a short, short video game music career. And I believe she she would go on to be like a music teacher. There are, I mean, probably many kids that are uh, taking class with her not knowing her pedigree, which is pretty awesome, too. But uh, yeah, that was uh, Street Fighter 2010 City Lights by Junko Tamiya. So my next track is going to be a track from another fighting game series that I really enjoy that uh, I've probably mentioned here and there many times. This is uh, Lele's theme from Vampire Hunter the second game in the Darkstalkers series here in the United States. Yeah, it, it's really great. I hope you enjoy it. You were just listening to Lele's theme from Vampire Hunter, composed by Takayuki Iwai. Um, yeah, Lele, one of the monsters, the many monsters from the Darkstalkers series of games. She's also my main, uh, not so much in Vampire Hunter, but in Vampire Savior, which I feel is like the most competitive version of the series. She is actually what some people call a Chinese vampire or a Chinese zombie. They're known as Jiangshi. In Japanese, they call them Kyonshi. So these are basically reanimated corpses that find their way to the realm of the living um, for various reasons. One of the uh, reasons that I've read is an imbalance in your yin and your yang. 
So uh, Han and Po are different, like, valued energies of your yin and yang. It's really cool. There's lots of superstitions behind it. And it's become fodder for plenty of great Hong Kong films that I enjoy. And we've covered them on Heroes 3. So uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind and Mr. Vampire, those are, like, so much fun uh, for anyone. I feel like even if you're not into Hong Kong cinema, checking these films out is such a good time. Uh, Lele, yeah, so she's this uh, Capcom take on the Jiangxi. So it's really fun because all the characters in the Darkstalkers games are really cartoony and exaggerated. And she's probably one of the more exaggerated characters because she has these long floppy sleeves that actually hide like a whole arsenal of weapons that she uses to fight with. So her main projectile is her just tossing items at the opponent. They will be like Capcom Easter eggs or just like random like a boulder or something. But there's an interesting little thing with that also. So it's it seems random, but if you uh, do your projectile and it's an Akuma statue, Akuma, one of the characters from Street Fighter, the player knows that the next projectile that she throws, if it connects, will dizzy your opponent. So that's kind of a major cornerstone of her gameplay is kind of dogging your opponent with these different arcing projectiles and kind of frustrating your opponent and mixing them up and keeping them kind of in the corner. Because if they're in the corner, you can set up unblockable traps using a combination of lows and that. Um, stunning projectile because when you use the fierce punch version of that it actually arcs really high and acts as an overhead so you have to block it high so if you set it up so your opponent is stuck in the corner and they're guarding low you can hit them in the head with that dizzy projectile and kind of continue your run of terror <laughs> she's really fun to play i really like her a lot she has a fun kind of air dash and she kind of does like jiangxi are known for doing this uh, hopping movement because there's like this rigor mortis that sets in so they can't move like a normal human being so they will usually hold their arms out and hop instead of run or walk and she kind of does that too um so the other thing that's kind of interesting about her is that there's an anime Ranma one half that I really enjoy. There's a character in that series who has Chinese origins as well. And he goes by Moose. He has the same situation. He's got these long hanging sleeves and he hides like a ton of weapons in them. So there's kind of a fun kind of connection there or inspiration for Lele. So that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I wanted to share that because... I um, one I love Darkstalkers. Two I think she's really interesting, and I feel like she relates to a lot of the stuff we cover on Heroes Three. So yeah, uh, I hope you enjoyed that track. And moving on to the next track, I picked I guess another Asian cinema related thing. This is more of an anime situation, but this is Fight Kikayo from Choko Senki Kikayo. Uh, 3D fighting game by Capcom for the Dreamcast and I'll talk a bit more about that when we get back. Hey! 
れる勇気が奇跡を呼ぶのさ Just listen to Fight Kikayo from the game Choko Senki Kikayo, also known as Techromancer here in the States.、Uh, this was composed by Yuki Iwai, and this was a really fun 3D fighting game for the Dreamcast by Capcom. And it capitalized on all my favorite mecha tropes. I don't know if I've talked about mecha too much. On Heroes 3, but I I love mecha anime, especially going back into the 70s and the 80s, a little bit into the 90s too, but、uh, definitely would have to call back to older stuff. And Kikayo was just chock full of it. So you could pick one out of, I don't know, a dozen different、uh, mecha that. All represented different tropes. So the main hero mecha was definitely part giant robo, part Mazinger Z. He had a huge sword, he had a rocket punch and a beam attack, and he had like a hot blooded pilot. So everything that I love. You also had like a 
you know, so G Kaiser, the, the main robot was the super. And then you'd have the, the Gundam style robot, which is what people will call the real type. And, uh, this, uh, mecha is called Dixon in this game and it has everything as well. It has a beam saver, it has a, a beam rifle, some fin funnels, and uh, you would even be able to do like a last shooting from the original Gundam. It's kind of this iconic pose. Uh, yeah, every robot would have access to a, a type of finishing move. If you destroyed your opponent's armor, you could do final attack and it would do like straight up like in an anime uh, or like Power Rangers or Sentai show where you do your final ultimate move and your opponent falls to their death and then there's a huge stock explosion, which uh, the game actually replicated pretty, pretty effectively. There's like the generic stock explosion that they would use for everybody. Um, that was really fun. There was also a Macross type jet like a robotech actually studio Nui, uh the studio the animation studio behind robotech uh macross they were involved with the designs for this game so shoji kawamori made his own kind of valkyrie type design for this game and uh, another designer let me pick my brain kazu takamiyatake i'm gonna look that up just so i don't sound dumb yeah, Kazutaka Miyatake. I got it right. Nice. He designed like some of the more heavier looking stuff in Macross. And there's a heavy artillery mech called Wise Duck in Kikayo. It looks like Monster from uh, Robotech. It's really cool. But yeah, having them all involved really lended to the the authenticity of this parody is really, really fun. And the Dreamcast version actually uh, was kind of like a powered up version of the arcade version. So this was the first time that I could remember that home versions were better than the arcade version. And Kikayo is a good example of that because the graphics were all better. There's a expanded roster. You could even use uh, Jin Saltome from cyberbots he'd show up in marvel vs. capcom as well you can use him and his robot blodia in this game it was really cool yeah it was just really fun uh kind of more of a fun fighter not as much of a competitive fighter uh you're freely moving in a 3d space and you're a giant mecha so you're stepping on buildings and you can find weapons that you can use to attack your opponent besides the stuff that you have also there was oh there was a really good evangelion kind of ultraman merged parody which i feel is pretty ahead of the curve nowadays you'll hear people making that comparison more i like i think his name is Pulseon. yeah Pulseon. And there was a Get a Robo style robot called Twin Zom V, where it was two vehicles that could combine in variable forms. And you could actually, that was a mechanic that they had where they have a super move where you can alternate between the two modes, which was awesome. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's really fun. And if you love mecha series, especially older stuff, I think that you'd get a lot of enjoyment out of this. So I highly recommend it. But I wanted to share that too because um, this is like an anime intro. It's like very tropey anime song, more in the line of the '90s types of uh, mecha anime openings. 
but still hot-blooded in its own way. So that's really fun. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed uh, Fight Kikaio, Tatakai Kikaio from Tecromancer, Kikaio. So the next track that I have, which I've been talking for so long, <laughs> is a Street Fighter track. And I picked a track called Guile is a Traveler, CPS1 Arranged. And this is composed by Desk, a dude that I talked a bit about last time. And I'll get into it a bit more after the track. Welcome back. You were listening to Guile is a Traveler, CPS1 Arranged 
by Desk, uh, using Guile's theme from Street Fighter II The World Warrior, originally composed by the one and only Yoko Shimomura. So I picked this track because it goes with everything. No, really, uh, the, the reason I picked it was because it kind of has this wink and a nod to uh, what people might bring up when you hear uh, people talking about Guile's theme. So one of my favorite Japanese jazz fusion bands, T-Square, they have a song called Travelers and people will bring it up saying, hey, this sounds just like Guile's theme, like Yoko Shimomura must have ripped this off. We've talked on Heroes 3 about how art informs other art and I think it's really interesting. I think it's fun to bring up, but I, I'm not really into accusing people of ripping stuff off unless it's really, really blatant because I, I feel like all art influences other art. So uh, I thought it's interesting here because, yeah, the second loop of this song straight up uses that material from T-Squares Travelers. It's really fun to hear it put into the context of Guile's theme and this uses the CPS-1 sound chip to compose it so you're hearing it right in there. I think it's really fun and Desk is like this dude that I told you I, I really enjoy his work. There's always more to what he's doing. There's always even with like the combo videos he'll give himself limitations or he'll show you something in the context that you're not used to seeing it and he always puts uh, an effort into making things really interesting and that's why i enjoy his music too there's it's it's very dense you really can pull a lot from it and there's usually a lot of percussion going on and you can hear that even in this track damn the percussion is going crazy isn't it uh it's really fun so yeah i just uh, thought i'd share that and moving on to the next track, this would be my fifth track in the fight. So I wanted to go out with a bang. And another work of Yoko Shimomura's from Capcom, and arguably uh, my favorite of her music with her time at Capcom, even including Street Fighter 2. This is a medley of the King of Dragons soundtrack, originally composed by Yoko Shimomura and remixed here by the artist Ant Garros. It's called Ho! <laughs> Enjoy.
that was Ho! <laughs> King Dragon's Medley, originally composed by Yoko Shimomura and arranged here by Ansgaros. So yeah, I had like wanted to go out swinging for my final choice in this uh, VGM Fight Club and I wanted to pick something rocking, something guitar centric and I really do enjoy the King of Dragons. It's a fantasy themed beat em up by Capcom so it's perfect for this cage fight. The game is pretty basic but I really like it. You can pick from different classes and you fight your way through all these different scenarios so you've got caves, swamps, a pirate ship, and you fight the tropes that you'd expect. So like skeletons with sword and shield, like a Harryhausen type deal. You fight some lizard men, you fight slimes, uh, all the kind of fun fantasy, Western fantasy stuff. Uh, I've said it a couple of times, but for me, I really enjoy western fantasy through a japanese lens things like this things like record of lotus war i i don't know there's something that they get right that i really enjoy about all of that stuff this game you could play with three players in some cabinets some cabinets were two players but i yeah i definitely played through it a bunch and it was recently released on the capcom beat em up collection so i definitely played through that again and i have a coworker, a friend of mine at work that's <laughs> we've been talking about playing together and um i i've been meaning to make time for it so we should really check it out it's you can play it online so if i'm playing with people i'll usually pick the cleric because i like using the cleric usually but if you're playing by yourself i would say to play as the wizard because that dude's pretty op he's got like a projectile and as you play through the game it levels up pretty strongly so I, I, I guess I don't want to talk too much because that track's pretty long. So we'll get into the last track. Uh, I guess it'll be the playout. And so we pick these tracks in case there's a tie. So this is kind of like the true final track. And the perfect choice for me was Akuma's theme from Third Strike. It's called Killing Moon. It's composed by Hideki Okugawa. And I can talk about Akuma a little bit before I leave you guys for today. So he was the secret final boss for Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. And he's kind of like a reflexive answer to an April Fool's joke in EGM and American Video Game Magazine back in the 90s. Uh, I still have that issue actually. And so it was an April Fool's joke where they said they set all these crazy parameters. So you have to do, you know, you have to not lose ever. You have to score like so many perfects and you have to make it all the way to the final boss then you'll be challenged by a true final boss and then that article it was Sheng Long so going into that a little bit originally Ryu's win quote in Street Fighter 2 was you must defeat Sheng Long to stand a chance now that was actually a mistranslation because in the Japanese text he would say, you must defeat my Shoryuken to stand a chance. Shoryuken being his uppercut move. So the translation, Sheng Long is kind of like long, like dragon. But Shoryuken, even though it has Ryu and Ken in the, 
in the name of the move itself, it means rising dragon punch. So this mistranslation kind of led to speculation and like schoolyard gossip. <laughs> so uh, EGM knew about this and they kind of pulled a prank on everybody. What Capcom ended up doing is actually in a way making it a reality. So if you play through Super Turbo and you get so many perfects you can't lose a round and you get to M. Bison in the final boss which Super Turbo's AI like the computer AI in that game is notoriously difficult so being able to do that is, is pretty daunting you get to M. Bison and Akuma will teleport into the screen defeat M. Bison and you'll have a chance to fight against him I've never done that I've done the code, there's a code to play as him that you can do on the character select screen. I've done that before and that's kind of involved. But yeah, Akuma's basically a head swap of Ryu, but they crank him way up and he had an air fireball, which was unheard of back then. And visually, Akuma is kind of based on these Buddhist like guardian statues called Neo. They'll, you'll find them in front of temples sometimes. They look like these warrior statues. It's it's pretty awesome. He's got this really almost like a demon looking face like an Onier. Instead of having like a tough solid stance you'll see in his original artwork he has his hands opened up in this aggressive posture very similar to those Buddhist statues that you'd see. And he became like kind of a secret character mascot for Capcom for a while. He would show up as a secret character in other games. He was in X-Men Children of the Atom as a secret character. Actually their first Marvel versus Capcom crossover you could say because uh, he was the only secret character in that game and he was from Street Fighter not from a Marvel comic. And after that he would show up here and there in other games as a hidden character uh my favorite one is the goki zero goki so he showed up in cyberbots uh full metal madness the robot fighting game from capcom and instead of it just being akuma because these were giant robots they made like a robot version of akuma who also similar to what i was talking about in kikayo was inspired by giant robo so it looks like big giant robo version of akuma in the game that's super awesome i love that very much so i used killing moon this is killing moon from street fighter 3 third strike composed by hideki okugawa and i will see you guys later we'll see what happens if i survive this next round if not this is kind of fun for me so i don't know maybe every now and then we'll do something like this i'll try to keep it in line with Heroes 3 stuff and I feel like there was a bit here to warrant it but yeah I hope you enjoyed this again if you didn't let me know if you did let me know too uh, but yeah I'm Carlos signing off for this episode of Heroes 3 Gaiden peace <laughs>